0: A.O. fam, welcome to the 26th ever episode of Inside Outlook, the official podcast of Asian Outlook magazine and media. My name, as always, is Mike Messina, and joining me today is Melanie de Guzman. Melanie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. So I was browsing your website, your, your body of work here. And there's a whole bunch of buzzwords. There's choreographer, there's art director, there's Pilates instructor. Uh, when someone comes up to you and asks you what you do for a living, what do you say to them?
1: I definitely say I am a freelance performer. And yes. I'm <laughs> also a um, <laughs> Pilates movement coach. Yeah. I de- It really depends who is in front of me. Okay. Yeah. I know I wear many hats, but... Um, I think what it comes to, comes down to is, you know, I live in New York, so I juggle a lot of things, and I think it's it's normal now to have different job titles and variations of one passion that makes.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, and I was also taking a little a little meander around your website, and you talk about this mission that you have about. Ah, uh, uniting your community. Can you speak on that a little bit more?
1: Yes, that is such a big word, and I think there's so much community now, and I myself am part of different types of communities. But in the jungle umbrella of it, I am in the arts community. And then I look at that and think that, okay, there is two different communities within that. I am part of the art education community. Which is really big here in New York. And then I am in part I am part of the dance community in New York, which is also massive. And within those communities, I am ex- extremely active in not just being an audience, but also being an activist, a participator, and someone who is actively engaging and trying their best to also be part of the change that's happening. For lack of a better word, that makes sense.
0: I love it. And what exactly sorts of changes are you looking to
1: see? So, the art, you know, the education system here in New York is just wildly different from what I'm used to in Los Angeles. I'm from Los Angeles, and my teaching artistry began there. And um, I'm entering my four year anniversary here in New York when August 2020 comes. And I didn't think that I would be in the teaching artistry world, Um, but it's been going really, really well. And it's allowed me to learn a lot about the education system here in New York and how really art here is so important in the education system. I mean, there are some schools that I go into and they have so much different art options. And, you know, sometimes some schools lack it, but art education here is something that is really um, look out for and, and, you know schools are fighting to get funding for arts to be in their school mm-hmm. so, those are kind of the Absolutely. changes and the changes within the education system is always changing and so how can how can we as art teaching art is such a weird role but you know how can we continue feeding ourselves and, and sharing that research with youth or the elders
0: Oh, interesting. So I hear education and my mind definitely jumps to the youth. Can you talk about what you're doing with elders or how that message I, pertains to them? I
1: mostly I mostly teach the youth, but there are some times where I get placed into parent-child workshops where I am also working with the elders. Oh yeah. Interesting. And like so that. I'm like able that. to work within a whole spectrum. And then and then talking about and now I'm gonna go into the different community which is the dance community um you know the dance community is extremely you know so focused on art activism and what's going on with politics so just always being in touch with that you know when our country is going through a lot of political (gasps) conflict the the art world is is booms you know there's just a lot of inner turmoil and we learn to like cope with it and use different mediums to express ourselves and so it's been an honor like just seeing that from my colleagues and and choreographers and different kinds of artists that i watch or be a part of their projects and stuff so yeah i think that's the gist of it in terms of trying to make little changes within those communities
0: Mm-hmm. And can you take me back for a second and tell me about what life was like back in California and how art made its way into your life and, and made it stay Oh, there. wow.
1: Okay. So life in California was nice and sunny <laughs> and warm, you know, <laughs> easygoing, Uh, You have your car everywhere with you. You know, you're safe. You go to one place and the other. I went to school. I finished, I got my degree in a college in California, specifically Los Angeles. And then I probably had about a year, just a year after I graduated where I stayed active in the city. And then I decided to do a move- to the East Coast. How art was, how art entered my life in Los Angeles was definitely through college. I was not a dancer until college. And um, it became this five year journey where I threw myself in performance arts, specifically dance. And when I transferred, to Loyola Marymount University from Santa Monica College, I began to take dance much more seriously, and I also majored in it besides sociology. And a year, about half, um, about six months after I graduated, I did a program in Israel called Kibbutz Contemporary Dance Company, and I was living there for six months. Met a lot of. Great people who are one of my lifelong close friends now. And they were mostly from New York. And so I, so I, you know, got developed a relationship with them. And after that experience, which was life changing, you know, I'm back in LA, did the whole art scene there and realized that something I just, I became less hungry and I knew that like I wanted something different. And so I wanted to kick my own ass and move to New York. So I did that. And now here I am.
0: And was that a big, there was a big difference in communities there? Was it was enough to, to spark something else in you?
1: It's different. There was, it was definitely a different scene there. Enough for me to be like, okay, um, I, I want to try something new. And now I find myself enjoying my time in New York, but you know, things in LA are always in development. And I see LA LA as another borough to me, you know, and my goal is to be by coastal and, you know, be able to work and, you know, book gigs that will take me to LA. Yeah, because Mm. LA and New York has this very special relationship, as you can see, you know, many artists bounce Right back, and they like to build their connections in New York and LA. And I think there's something special happening in LA, and there's you know all the time always something happening in New York. LA is growing in its art scene, and you know artists are definitely finding their footing there and building something. Um, and LA offers very By yeah, personal. and LA like has something very special to offer. You know, it's a different pace there, and I and I think as a New York artist, we can all, you know, we, it'll be nice. It's it's important to live somewhere and slow down a bit.
0: Mm -hmm. And my next question was going to be why you always specify that you're a Cali native despite being based in New York and Brooklyn right now. But I think that sort of I think,
1: I think it's important that I that I say that um, because I want, I want to hold on to where I'm from. And maybe there is this assumption that I have with California but i think it's important just as how someone really says as some people say you know they're bronx native you know there's something about the bronx you know I, and i think it's important mm-hmm. to to note that i do get confused sometimes cause california is so big but maybe i should specify you know like la native but either way i think people get <laughs> the picture
0: i think they do yeah i like that have you seen the movie blind spotting
1: blind spotting no, is that out on Netflix?
0: Um, I don't think it's on Netflix just no. yet, or if it will be. Just throwing it out there. It's about um, gentrification and, and yeah,
1: that's that's real. That is very real. <laughs> However, I I live in the suburbs in LA. I live about like 20, 25 minutes from all the happenings, you know, from Hollywood and stuff. And so I live in the suburbs, and so that that doesn't really get gentrified, but definitely in the hip areas. It's happening. Development. State is real. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. So let me see. Um, So we talked about the different things that can influence an artist and their art itself, whether it's the political atmosphere of the time or where you are, the creative scene that you're a part of. Can you talk about your creative process?
1: My creative process. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to break it down a bit. Creative process as as someone who got hired for a dance gig, as a dancer or a creative process as someone who I am going to choreograph for a, someone hired me to choreograph something. And do you want to know about me as a choreographer or as a dancer?
0: Um, both. That was sort of going to be my, uh, my next stipulation for it was that you do you seem to do so many permutations yeah, of of, uh, of movement that I thought it would definitely change a lot depending on what project. Definitely, you're exactly I doing.
1: do want to make it clear that I am mostly a, uh, a freelance performer um, and I perform my own work when I can, but I do am um, going out there more as, you know, auditioning as a dancer. And when I can, I do my own stuff, but I def- I'll go ahead and talk about the two different process. So my process as a dancer, when I'm hired as a dancer, um, it definitely has to, it depends on the gig. I have been in project-based companies here in New York where it's more relaxed, meaning longer, longer duration, let's say, you know, four to five months, you have rehearsals twice a week, you're diving in into the choreographer's message and their voice. And then there's, you know, maybe a show every, every seven or eight weeks, you know, it's very, it's a a lot more calm. And for that, I, Mm. I like a process that's collaborative um it's it's definitely changing but I think in that world I like it to be much more collaborative collaborative I don't like being told what to do exactly how to do it I think as an artist there's so much in us different layers and so I think um if you're a choreographer or director I do expect that there is this spontaneity or or play that you can direct and guide, but allow the dancer or the or the dancing artist to allow them to to bloom on their own, rather than letting them know this is what it should look like. Exactly, you are to be this alien. Cre- exactly, you know. It's I I am now appreciating being guided, being guided in a way where. I can, I can discover and play as opposed to me trying to look exactly like this thing. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And I feel like in pretty much any artistic setting, there's always people talking about how no matter what your role is, everyone who contributes to the project in any way has some sort of say, um, intentional or unintentional, on how the the final yeah. product comes out. so
1: that, obviously that's a different thing. That's a different kind of project. However, if I book something much more for film or like a quick stage performance where you only have three days and it's all about the presentation and everyone looking together and musicality and stuff, then it's a different kind of uh, approach, right? You're there, you have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, You're kind of like on flight or fight mode, you know, and you're just there to learn. It's not so much... Collaborative unless like the choreographer asked for you to create something quickly, but that I approach very differently. Like that one, yes, I am going to look exactly like my peers. And within that, I know I can still apply my my essence, which can get tricky. So it really depends on the job, I would say, and what's asked of me. Yeah. Okay, that, makes, yeah. Sense. Yeah. that yeah. makes sense. And I am also going into segue into musical theater so i have to remind myself that this there's different approaches but either way it is my responsibility in my own way to bring out my essence into that project even into that opportunity
0: so into musical theater as a, a dancer or a, as a, a dancer. choreographer yeah okay mm-hmm. um so what kind of music do you listen to then all
1: kinds of music in all honesty It depends on my mood. If I need to focus and get things done, I find lo-fi beats, classical music, piano music, opera to be really soothing. If I am cooking, I find um, Latin music, reggae, fun dance hall beats. Yeah, it really depends on my Mm. mood. But I think as an artist, it's really important to listen to the weirdest music. I mean, it just brings out something in you. Um, I don't listen to a lot of heavy metal, so but, you know sometimes okay. when I'm in the studio and I'm just like improving, sometimes those types of music will bring out something interesting out of your body.
0: Mm, yeah. interesting, interesting. but I guess
1: if you look at Spotify, oh. you can see a little bit of everything pop, r and b, um a lot of different i Bollywood, um music from my culture, Filipino. Yeah, it's a mix. Yeah. A good mix. Yeah. I like that.
0: That's good. Um so speaking of you said you're you're Filipino. I
1: am. I'm Filipino.
0: Do you feel like your cultural background has influenced your life or your art in any way?
1: Yeah, it has. And I think it's actually becoming much more relevant to me in the past couple of months. I am starting to question how I can get back in my roots, actually, because I feel like I have just, as I study different kinds of movement modalities, and work for different choreographers, I have yet to really dance for someone who's my kind. Um, Yeah. And, you know, my first Three years here in the city, I find myself dancing for someone who had a Jewish voice talking about the Holocaust. And I was dancing for someone for a really long time who's uh, from the Bronx and digging into her Puerto Rican roots, which there was a lot of similarities with Catholicism. So that was really interesting. That was nice. And, you know, I got into the Latin background and was able to study that within my body, which I think is really cool as a dancer. We get to study different ways of being from different people, different cultures. In a way, we're like anthropological movers, as I would say. Um, And, you know, also different kinds of people. But in the past couple of months, there's been this question of, here I am learning different ways of moving. You know, when I travel and train, you know, I'm going to Latin America sometimes, or I'm going to Europe, and I'm studying from different kinds of people. And they're They're not my kind, you know, and I'm wondering why is that? But um, just last December, actually, I booked my first. It was like very, very um, super beginning stage. I booked a a gig in its super early developments, a stage reading, and I booked it as a dancer. Um, They needed contemporary movers for this reading, and it was on a Filipino play right filipino monologue filipino play and the mm-hmm. writers were filipinos the directors filipino and it was like an all filipino cast and i thought that was pretty fucking epic <laughs> cuz it's literally the first time that i've been in a room with my people the play was called export quality but yeah so it's been an interesting research for me to be like you know, here I am as an answer, as a, as a vessel and I'm learning different people's voices and it's awesome, you know, and helping them figure things out. But I, I feel like I, I also have a, um, a responsibility to r- dig into my roots and unpack everything I've layered on. And, and, you know, how can I slowly start to just be in touch with my roots or, or my, that community, the Filipino community here in new york city
0: do do you feel like that sort of journey is only for you personally or once you go through that or once you are going through that do you feel like that's something you also have a responsibility to share with other people
1: definitely not it's definitely a collective journey because i have filipino friends here who are on similar paths who's using their art to study their ancestry so definitely not alone
0: interesting
1: and yeah there's you know there's a couple of people there's a less than a hand there's like about less than 10 people that i would say who's like in broadway right now who's filipino so that's pretty awesome but there's still not a lot you know it's still rare and even in the Mm -hmm. concert dance world there's not a lot actually last week my good friend and my best friend, we all got together in the studio and we're all Filipino American. And we Mm -hmm. all kind of have come from the same dance background, pretty, you know, ballet, modern, contemporary. And it's funny because there's not a lot of us in the concert in the world. And we got together in the studio and we are just slowly working with some concepts. And, yeah in this conversation of you know studying our bodies and and what and how our body is because there's been we've studied different layers of different different types of dance and then yeah i it's almost as if i don't even know i don't even know where to begin as like what is my my culture and because i didn't study i didn't you know folk mm-hmm. dance at all you know
0: yeah, it seems like such a such a daunting task once you put it out there like that. But I wish you luck on that on that journey and defining it and pursuing it. And yeah, and you know, maybe it
1: maybe it's not even like finding the movement of Filipino, but maybe it's, you know, what, what are some subtleties and behaviors that we've been passed on that's affected our bodies today? It can be as simple as that. You know, what are the things that mm. we have learned how to be? To function in this society as a Filipino young woman in the arts.
0: So I know that a lot of yeah, definitely, and I also know that a lot of um, Asian Americans feel a lot of pressure from their families I, to go into uh, less artsy fields as a profession. Is that something that you? Yes, struggled with
1: definitely. At all? I mean, I've definitely had to. Um, I definitely t- have taken my own path. And just accept that taking on the performer artistic path was not something accepted by my parents. But I am pretty independent. (laughs) And I am not influenced by them. And so I'm really grateful that I have enough merit and rigor within myself to be like okay you know i'm going to meet you halfway i'm you know i'm going to still do other jobs that may not may not only relate to dance but my life is going to be art and that's just the way it is so they've they've come to that acceptance and i still get you know trolled by my dad here and there but you know i i think i'm doing well here in new york and it's it's a journey and um I see myself now as like a multidimensional person. And, you know, uh, we learn mm-hmm. to make a business as well with our art and however that looks. And now in the job market, um, I think it's safe to say that it's, it's important to have many skills. The job world is changing so much and it's important to have many skills.
0: Brave moves you're making from, from <laughs> yeah. coast to coast. Big moves, yeah. And it's, it's definitely important to, to get those stories out there because there are definitely a lot of people, Asian-American or otherwise, who feel, I'm sure, locked in by either societal expectations or parental expectations, where they feel like it's too late for them to, to change whatever it is that they're doing as a profession. And then there's you who went from, you know despite having whatever familial issues with this, deciding to pursue this career, deciding to go from LA all the way to New York, and also figuring out that this is your passion in college when where most kids are uh, feeling locked into whatever it is that they decided to do freshman year.
1: Yeah, that's true. I would say I'm really thankful. I have strict parents, but they're not that strict. And they, you know, would always, they were great great motivators. But I they gave me a lot of freedom in terms of the path I can go in. To college, like I even in college, even when I was choosing sociology as a major, my mom, who's a nurse, was like, she was already already making fun of me, (laughs) you know. So Mm -hmm. I kind of just took the reins and be like, okay, you know, like my parents are always gonna make fun of me, you know, and that's okay. Like I think, I guess from a young age, I just like grew not to care what they think, but still make them happy does that make sense it was like I just
0: yeah yeah definitely it's it's a balancing yeah. act I'm yeah. sure and how is that how is that um transition or entrance into the professional freelance performing world was that difficult did you have to figure it out a lot on your own
1: um yeah I figured it out on I figured it on my own um but it it matched with my personality and the way I was and the way I am and the way who I'm becoming because even when I was living in L.A. out of college, I always had more than two three jobs. Now thinking about it, I mean, even when I was in L.A. after college, I was I was working at, at I was working at a modern dance company as an arts admin and also being in their second company. And then on the weekends, I was like working the front desk at this Cardio gym, I was also involved, I was always involved in like, gyms and boutique fitness Mm studios. And so I was, I just always had my, my feet in different baskets, it was always in fitness and always in the arts for as long as I can remember. So
0: so it seems like a pretty pretty yeah,
1: natural. It was always uh, natural. I just I needed to always be in the arts and I always needed to somehow have a free gym membership somewhere. <laughs> so I just <laughs> you know and I'm working with kids. I mean, I used to I was a camp counselor back in the day. I always babysat and so I knew I always wanted to also continue my passion with working with kids. And um my teaching artistry actually started in LA teaching for my friend who started this amazing organization called Dance to Serve by Leslie Flores. And so that was my first teaching artistry gig. I was teaching um, two to three uh, dance classes for this like underprivileged school. So that was her mission was like, you know, sharing arts in the underprivileged um, school. And that became an awesome little job for me. You know, we even like raised money and we traveled to the Dominican Republic and taught dance at an orphanage there. And so all these little experiences of working as a teaching artist, um, I forgot to mention, I also would volunteer at this organization called Coach Art, which uh, allow me to grow my skills working with kids in the autism spectrum. Um, little mm-hmm. did I know that all this would come together and help me when I moved to New York. Because when I moved to New York, I didn't have anything lined up. And I put dance aside. I knew I was always going to be dancing. Um, I didn't have to have like a dance job first. I knew that like I needed to have my, you know, I needed to make money first, you know, make sure that's, that's, that is sealed down is how are you going to support yourself? And as I was starting to look for jobs out here in New York, and even when I got here, I very quickly learned that you can make, you can support yourself as a teaching artist, and so one of the first, one of, one of, the most after like being here for a month, I got a job at an amazing organization called Marquis Studios, and I'm I'm still with them today.
0: I love it. Congratulations! I'm glad I'm glad that I uh, found a place for you, yeah. or glad you are able to make it work as well. Not like it just uh, everything happened for you. Obviously, you're you're putting yeah. in the work for it.
1: Yeah. I am. Um, I have been putting on to work, and I am slowly cutting down on teaching artistry as of now.
0: Okay. Is that um an intentional thing where you're looking to shift your? your yeah, career focus I'm looking a little bit?
1: to shift my career focus into performing and performing a lot more. Yeah, okay. so that that is the thing that came to me. So the last two weeks of the last decade, <laughs> very new.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about um, a person or, or an idea that's inspiring you to do what it is that you're doing, whether it's someone who's, who's guided you in this direction or something like we touched on before with connecting to your roots, anything like that?
1: I, I don't think there's a person, but I can speak about an idea, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, as an artist here in New York, I've always been a little jealous of some artists some freelance artists that who who don't have to work so many jobs or who don't have to work a job that not in relation to performing or court or make or or making work a uh, chore or making choreography and getting commissioned that way I there was a, there was always a little part of me that was a little jealous of some people that just, that just has time to dedicate their, their days to their work, you know, whatever dance means to them, whether that is trying to choreograph for film or making work or just submitting. And, you know, once you get into the wheel, it, it starts to happen. And I, my, my first couple of years here, there was a lot of, um, confusion it was almost as if I had so many things going for me and and I had an issue of but what do I really want it was I was passionate about working Mm -hmm. with kids I you know and then and then the world of Pilates I started teaching almost two years ago and I'm going into my second year of teaching Pilates and then you know at one point last year I was like oh am I gonna build a Pilates business like you know, oh, I love working with clients and I love working with the body 101. Like I, there was, I was just pulled into so many directions. And um, and then, you know, it was almost as if I would use my other jobs, such as Pilates and teaching artistry. They became like these really great jobs that supported me. However, it, it would take me away from committing to my art, right? As a mm-hmm. as a performer, as a collaborator, however that looks, because there was this fear of how are you going to support yourself. Right, there's this fear of no, mm-hmm. you need to make this this amount of money. But that is a such old way of thinking. That is generational idea that's been rooted down. Right, that you need to like work. You need to always have your survival job and 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 do well at it, and then it's gonna you know, that your art, that our artists don't make money, you know, like no, um, no financial stability. So that is something that I want to break. I think if you, pl- I'm a firm believer that if you play your cards, right. And you're wise and, and you're honest with yourself, you can do really well as an artist.
0: So my next question, I'm going to, I'm going to segue from that a little bit and just ask you straight out, what sort of advice do you have for other aspiring artists, dancers or otherwise?
1: Um, my advice is to be okay with going through tidal waves of of being an artist, right? Being okay in the seasons where you feel lucky and you're booking and there's abundance coming through and it's just, you're, you're finding opportunities that pay well and then you're finding opportunities that don't pay well but it's just, it helps you grow. And then, you know, in the times that are slower, there's so much information in that to, to slow down and, and, and study yourself and, and what you're doing. And in those slow times, what, how can you nurture yourself? How can you continue nurturing yourself, right? So you're ready for when the big season comes and it's all coming at you left and right. But just like nature, we're mm-hmm. not always blooming right? So in the times when we're not blooming, how are you still nourishing yourself as an artist? Because you're not always booking, you know, you're not always out in the scene, you're not always saying something, you're not always making a statement, right? And so segueing into that for me, you know, in the, in those months that I'm not performing my work out there, or I'm not performing someone else's work, maybe I'm just a background actor at some show, I'm just I don't know, that's a music video as a background dancer. Maybe I'm just maybe I am just um modeling more. I don't know, you know, so like however you define yourself as a dancer, like be flexible with that and know that like art comes in many shapes and form.
0: You're an elegant speaker as well as a mover. Has anyone ever told you that?
1: What do you mean I'm an elegant mover?
0: Well, in your profession, I'm sure you're good at moving. I'd also say that you're you're pretty elegant. Thank you. In your words I would have well. to
1: give props to People I study or people that astrologers I listen to. So they you know, mm-hmm. It's like I I'm channeling them. That's good. And, like really, that. and really, I'm channeling other people. But thank you. That means a lot.
0: Of course. I have one last question for you. Melanie, if people wanted to follow you online or find you on social media, where would they look?
1: They can um, type in. For Instagram, they can type in at breathe. So B-R-E-A-T-H-E. And then Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I. Just that. Um, Or else website, awesome. MelanieDeGuzman.com. Again, Melanie with no E.
0: And are there any projects you want to plug that you're working on right now?
1: Um, Yeah, these are just super developmental. Um, I am just building something. Mostly my best friend, Marie Lloyd Passe, she's in charge of, you know, so I'm getting in the studio with two other Filipino contemporary movers. So we're in the process of that, which is exciting because I don't think no one's ever done that in the city. And I have a little move, little duo collective with my muse, with a musician named Sarah Favanger. She's plays, the she plays double, double bass, double bass. I'm always saying it wrong. Um, Google base. base. um, Our collective is called Entrenuse. It's just like a new thing that we've made. And we have a show in, I guess, a month, a month, in less than a month at this place called um, Spoke the Hub in in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I'll put that more on my website. And um, other than that, I am just hardcore auditioning and just in training mode. So... Yeah, I love it.
0: Thank <laughs> you, Melanie. Thank you so much for for being on the show. Thank with
1: us you today. for allowing me to be your first episode. <laughs>